the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Worshiping God on His day, the Lord's day. So just how much of a demand is it from God? Is it something required of us, or is it an option? Mow the lawn or go to church? Let's talk about that next. While many would opt to wash the car or mow the lawn, maybe weed the garden, really, there's no option at all when it comes to the Lord's Day. Hi there. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Now, right up front, here at the start, we want to affirm the fact that we are not legalistically demanding that you show up each and every Sunday in the Lord's house. You see, we live under grace. Now, having said that, There is a great benefit and blessing when we count the Lord's Day as a delight. Isaiah 58 is where we're at as we take a look again at a message called Honoring the Lord's Day. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. We must ask a question to be good and serious students of the Bible. These promises are in the Old Testament. Can we be sure that these Old Testament Sabbath promises apply to us today? And the answer is most definitely, particularly when we go back to the broad context of our text. Going all the way back first to Isaiah 53, we see a great messianic prophecy. A great prophecy of Jesus Christ and the life of his disciples in the new covenant. In Isaiah 53, You have the gospel spelled out as clearly as anyone could want it. That the Lord Jesus Christ came as the suffering servant to lay down his life for sinners. As it says, all we as sheep went astray. We turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord laid on him the afflictions and chastisements of us all. Then in chapter 54, he prophesies the glorious and global effects of that suffering and death of the Messiah in the global success of the gospel and the conversion of a multitude of people from all over the world. In Isaiah 55, he calls us to faith in Christ and repentance of our sins. In Isaiah 56, he shows us the place the Sabbath will have in the new covenant during the reign of Christ, which is now. In chapter 57, he promises peace and restoration and fellowship with God in Christ through faith and repentance. And in Isaiah 58... He promises those who repent during the reign of Christ will renew the old cities, be the repairers of the breach and restorers of the ancient ruins. And then he concludes this prophecy about life in the new covenant under the Lord Jesus Christ 
with these verses 13 and 14 on the Sabbath, its promises and its conditions. The point is, these verses 13 and 14 do most certainly apply to us. And when a person says, that's Old Testament, it doesn't apply to me, that is the way of suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. All of these promises that are set forth here in verses 13 and 14 are the very things we as Christians long for. We long for deeper and more intimate communion with God. We long for spiritual victory over our enemies. We long for the practical enjoyment of the privileges and the blessings of salvation and the coming true of the promises of God in our lives. These promises are for us, but conditions come with them. Do you want these promises to come true in your life? Verse 13 tells us the conditions. First of all, if thee turn away thy foot from the Sabbath for doing thy pleasure on my holy day. Now I want you to notice some words here. On my holy day, or as it says in the New American Standard Bible, on the Lord's day. Isaiah, by his designation, is anticipating the language of the New Testament that calls the Sabbath the Lord's day and refers to the Lord Jesus Christ himself as the Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, so long as he has a kingdom, he will have a Sabbath over which he is Lord. Why is this Sabbath day referred to in the Lord's as a holy day? It's not because men voted that the first day of the week would be a good day to rest, but because God himself sanctified that day as his special day of the week at the very beginning of creation. After he spent six days creating the world, he rested on the seventh. What do we mean when we say that God makes a day of the week holy? Well, in a sense, of course, every day is holy because the word holy means to belong to the Lord and every day belongs to the Lord and is to be spent in his service. But in another sense, to make the Sabbath day holy is to say that, that when God sanctifies something, He sets it apart from its everyday common use so that it can be used exclusively for the worship of God. And He set aside not only a day, in fact several days in the Hebrew calendar, but He made a holy place, the tabernacle and the temple. He made holy an altar and various other things that God sanctified and made holy in the Old Testament as well as the Sabbath day. And in each incidence, it was to set that thing aside from its common, ordinary, everyday use to a special holy use exclusively for the worship of the living God. So when God set the Sabbath day aside for worship, now listen, beloved, even though those things may be done ordinarily every day of the week with God's blessing, Monday through Saturday are prohibited on that holy day. When God makes a, whole, a day holy, 
It is no longer for ordinary activity. It is a day that is to be given for the worship of God alone. So in making it holy, these things that we do Monday through Saturday are prohibited because God has designated the Sabbath for worship. Therefore, when we treat the Sabbath as any other day of the week, we profane it and we trample on it. Isaiah is specific here. He tells us how we profane the Sabbath through the use of three particular participles. Let's read verse 13 again from the New American Standard Bible. If because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable and shall honor it, desisting from your own ways, from seeking your own pleasure and speaking your own word. Now notice what he says here. He says, you profane the day by doing your own pleasures on God's holy day. You trample it underfoot. You reject His promises by doing your own pleasure on God's holy day. What is he getting at? By doing those things you delight in the other six days of the week. Business, work, play, hobbies, studies, or whatever you do that is normal on the other six days of the week. It is trampling underfoot the Lord's day if you do them on the Sabbath and you cannot expect his blessings if you do. Joey Piper says in his book, The Lord's Day, God does not forbid our pleasure on the Sabbath day because he is opposed to pleasure. Rather, he is calling us to turn aside from lesser pleasure to seek greater pleasures he has in store for us in that day in the worship of the living God. Well, not only are we not to do our pleasure on the Lord's day, but it says we are to call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable. Rather than treating the Sabbath as an ordinary day, we are to revere it, to honor it, and to delight in it. That word delight, we also saw in verse 14, and it means to take exquisite pleasure in the Christian Sabbath. We are to take pleasure in the things God says we are to do on the Sabbath. Exquisite pleasure in worship. Do you do that, brothers and sisters? Exquisite pleasure in rest. Do you do that? Exquisite pleasure in fellowship with your family and Christian friends. Exquisite pleasure in charitable service to those who are in need. That's all right there. In Isaiah 58, do you take pleasure, exquisite pleasure in these things, brothers and sisters? To call the Sabbath day a delight is to love to do the things God commands us to do on His holy day and nothing else. And these exuberant delights in the spiritual activities of the Lord's day are things that only the Holy Spirit of God can produce in his people. Verse 13 also says we are to call the Lord's day honorable. That of course is to say to honor that day. Now how do we honor the Lord's day according to Isaiah 58 13? 
We honor it by desisting from our own ways, seeking our own pleasure, and speaking our own word. Now let us honestly, before God, try our best to understand what those three participles mean for each of us. We honor God on his day and honor his day by desisting from our own ways. In other words, we are to cease and desist from doing the affairs and responsibilities of every day living on the Sabbath day. What does that phrase, your own ways, mean in Scripture? Well, it can mean sinful ways. It says in Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. So it seems as though it may be worse to sin on the Lord's day. But this phrase, your own way, is used in a broad sense here for the general activities of life. Proverbs 3, 6 says, in all your ways, all your ways... Acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So what is God telling us to do? He is telling us, as Joey Piper writes, those activities, now be honest with yourselves, of work and pleasure that are permissible on the other six days of the week become sinful when we do them on the Sabbath. God has given us six days for those things. The seventh day belongs to Him. The things that are normal and proper Monday through Saturday, if we do them on Sunday, we profane the Sabbath. We are not to do our own ways on the Lord's day. We are to desist from seeking our pleasure, it says. In other words, the Sabbath is not a day for play or amusement or recreation. Pleasure, here is the same word used earlier in the verse when it says to turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day. Listen again to Piper's comment. If you delight in the spiritual exercises of the Sabbath day and do not seek your own pleasure... You will take great pleasure in God. You are not to pursue your own pleasure in playing or recreation. Rather, you are to discover the unique treasure of the Sabbath. To take exquisite delight in what it offers. In other words, he is saying, we are to look at the Sabbath day as our spiritual vacation. You get a spiritual vacation the first day of every week. You get to take a vacation from work, and you get to take vacation from play. And why do I say that? Because how many times do you take a vacation, and you come home, and you need rest from the vacation you just had? Well, here God gives you a real vacation. The first day of every week. So we are to give ourselves on the Sabbath totally and completely to worship, fellowship, rest, and charitable service. Like visiting the sick, evangelism, and bringing meals to shut-ins, etc. Then the third principle says, 
that we honor the Sabbath day by desisting from speaking our own word. Brothers and sisters, I'm not making any of this stuff up. It's right here in our text. Not only are we to cease from doing our own pleasure, following our own ways, but on the Sabbath, it is going to be the greatest blessing to us, God promises, when we desist from speaking our own word. In other words, Sabbath conversations are different than conversations that we have the other days of the week. Why? Because on the Lord's day, our minds are to be resting on and focused on the things of the Lord. So the topics of our conversations will reflect that attitude. So as a result, our conversations will not be filled with topics of work, business, sports, hobbies, or other recreations. This doesn't mean it's a sin if you ask someone how they're doing. The point is, you are not really resting if you talk about the same things you talk about during the week. What do you talk about with your wife or your husband or your parents when you come home every day? Your work, school, the world, trials and tribulations. You carry things home emotionally and intellectually and you're not at rest. Well, Sunday is not a day for talking about those things. This doesn't rule out having good conversation with your family and friends about family affairs and what's going on in the lives of others because fellowship requires that kind of knowledge. But God wants us to avoid needless conversation about our work and our play. Listen to what our shorter catechism says concerning the application of Isaiah 58:13. It says, What is forbidden in the fourth commandment? It answers, The fourth commandment forbids the omission or careless performance of the duties required and the profaning the day by idleness or doing that which is in itself sinful or by necessary thoughts, words, or works about our worldly employments and recreations. Now the best application of Isaiah 58 to our lives, the most practical application, the most penetrating application that I have ever found is to be found in the Westminster Larger Catechism. Before we leave, I want to read to you four questions and answers from it. Now, it's an older form of English. It's hard to listen to. But if you listen carefully, you'll get the point and you'll appreciate the great minds of the men who gifted us with this outstanding document. So please, concentrate on what I'm about to read to you. Question number 116. What is required in the fourth commandment? 
The fourth commandment requireth all men the sanctifying or keeping holy to God such times as he hath appointed in his word expressly one day in seven, which was the seventh from the beginning of world to the resurrection of Christ and the first day of the week ever since. And so to continue to the end of the world, which is the Christian Sabbath and in the New Testament called the Lord's Day. How is the Sabbath of the Lord's Day to be sanctified? The Sabbath or Lord's Day is to be sanctified by an holy resting all the day, not only from such works as are at all times sinful, but even from such worldly employments and recreations as are on other days lawful, and making it our delight to spend the whole time, except so much of it as is necessary to be taken up in works of necessity and mercy, in the public and private exercise of God's worship, and to that end. We are to prepare our hearts and with such foresight, diligence and moderation to dispose and seemingly dispatch our worldly business that we may be the more free and fit for the duties of that day. 119. What are the sins forbidden in the fourth commandment? The sins forbidden in the fourth commandment are all omissions of the duties required, all careless, negligent, and unprofitable performing of them, and being weary of them, all performing, all profaning the day by idleness and doing that which is in itself sinful, and by all needless works, words, and thoughts about our worldly employments and recreations. Question 121. What is the word... Why is the word remember set in the beginning of the fourth commandment? The word remember is set in the beginning of the fourth commandment partly because of the great benefit of remembering it. We being therefore helped in our preparation to keep it and in keeping it better to keep all the rest of the commandments and to continue a thankful remembrance of of the two great benefits of creation and redemption which contain a short abridgment of religion and partly because we are very ready to forget it for that there is less light of nature for it and yet it Restraineth our natural liberty in things at other times lawful, that it cometh but once in seven days, and many worldly businesses come between, and too often take off our minds from thinking of it, either to prepare for it or to sanctify it. And Satan, with his instruments, much labor to blot out the glory and even the memory of it to bring in all irreligion and impiety. I want you to notice particularly a statement that was made in one of those answers that is based on Isaiah 58. It says that on the Sabbath day we are to lay aside, says our catechism, all worldly employments and recreations that are on other days lawful. When our Westminster fathers used the word worldly, they didn't mean it in some kind of pietistic way. They are not simply speaking of sinful activities. That which is worldly on the Sabbath is that which on other days is lawful. In other words, it is speaking of those proper and good employments and amusements and recreations that fill up the other six days which are to be done to the glory of God. But on the Sabbath, these, day, these activities are forbidden. The commandment is not given to us to restrict us, but
but to liberate us from anything that would make it impossible to give the entire Sabbath day to the public, family, and private worship, rest, fellowship, and charitable service to the glory of God. My beloved brothers and sisters, the Sabbath day, as I have said many, many times, is the most important day of your week. It's a day God has given to you to refresh you and bring your wandering minds back to where it must be properly found if we are to spend the rest of our days in the blessed grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Soon we will begin a short series on worship, which will be a total waste of time for all of us if we don't first heed the warnings of God's word on the necessity of honoring the entirety of the Lord's day. God will indeed make the day a delight for you if you seek to spend the day as He commands. And that is Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. As we close out our time today, I'd leave you with our address, phone number, and our website, 408-866-07. Or visit our website and leave us an email, reformedheritage.org. We also have past messages available, uh, an extensive library of audio that you can tap into at any time for free, right there at our website, again, reformedheritage.org. If you'd rather write to us, the address is Abounding Grace, PMB 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That is here in Los Gatos. The zip code is 95032. Normally, we'd invite you to join us for worship, but since we've been suspended because of the COVID-19 crisis, we invite you to visit our website instead and pick out a couple of recent messages that Pastor Gary has delivered here at Reformed Heritage Church. Again, reformedheritage.org. We'll also give you updates at that website as to when we return to normal worship. And you're always welcome to call us as well for that kind of information, 408 866 5607. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. <music>